going just back pointed back. that out that he was basically using so, what amounted to racial slurs. So, so Mike, like, like, your point, it's your offense. argument. Oh my God! It's your argument, which we you were here with the with the uh, the Aram guy or whatever the hell's name is with the Hebrew writing. That the Jewish people are being victimized and that they're not racist. I'm sorry, and I'm not generalizing anyone. But how dare you come on a stage and start calling people N-word? You want to talk about cancel culture, this, cancel culture, that. You got your fucking, I think that's your employer in your bio. I would never dock someone. Do you not, so do you think that if someone, you know, had recorded that and sent that to your employer that tomorrow morning something would happen? Because I sure as shit do. You're going around using the fucking N-word on the internet. No, it's okay, look. Can I... Demonstration. I'll yes, go ahead. First of all, nobody uh, I'm self-employed. Him. No, nobody slurred him, and me too, motherfucker. See, that's the problem. That's why I can say whatever the fuck I want. TD Ameritrade and E-Trade ain't gonna cancel my fucking account because of you stupid bitches. But let me tell you something. I accept what he says about a demonstration. Let me give you a demonstration. Hitler did nothing wrong. The only thing he did wrong is he put a up in your buttons. Oh, oh, just words, words, right? Damn. Just words, right? Just words. See, you don't play these games with me. I don't play the name calling game, but I'm going straight for the fucking jugular, bitch. That's racism, and that is that's that's violence. Pride is a dangerous person. Every applied is applied is dangerous. I know you don't give a fuck. You don't care, but that's a fucking hoax. All right, all right, all right, yo. That's why you don't care. So here's what I'm saying. Because it wasn't real. That's why you don't give a fuck. All right. Report applies account for anti-Semitism. Yes, please do. Shut the fuck up, Beverly. I'm not a racist, I have never felt so physically sick until I heard the words come out of your mouth. You are an Country. 
come from it. In the case of Russia, the suffering—the horrible communist regime—then the incredible suffering of millions and millions, dreadful, and the, the suffering inflicted by communism on Russia—millions <coughs> and millions died. Germany, everybody knows the suffering that self-generated in part germs. Um, um, the Holocaust, the wars, and so on. So there's suffering in the energy field. In in Russia, I was in Russia, but this, the suffering often means that there's a greater readiness for spiritual awakening. There, I saw in Russia, for example, I went to Russia a couple of years ago to give a talk. There's an enormous <laughs> for spiritual awakening. Because they know the suffering, they, they can feel the suffering. I've never been to Russia before. Uh, when I, it's the biggest talk I ever gave in Moscow, 6,000 people. Never been there before. And in, in Russia, I could see when you walk in the streets or go into a shop, people very rarely laugh, <laughs> smile. You have to be serious. First couple of days, I smiled a lot, and people looked at me as I was insane. And then, after on the third day, I said, "Okay, I'm going to just be serious too." <laughs> and then I got a compliments uh, a couple of times. People said to me, "Oh, you look Russian." <laughs> so I was fitting in. <clears throat> I didn't smile anymore. <laughs> but but that in the Russian soul, the Russian collective was enormous longing for spiritual awakening. So often it's the case that people or in countries where the pain body is heavy, those people are also very often at a greater point of readiness than somebody in whom the pain body is still relatively light. Because why are you because you are continuously experiencing suffering that's generated by your pain, by people, whether it's personal or collective. Interesting, even in countries like Canada and the United States, well, in many ways they're very similar culturally and so on. Uh, when I, occasionally I, I drive across the border from the United States into Canada, um, or the other way, It's the sort of landscape. You feel a more of a lightness. You can suddenly breathe, take a, a sigh of, oh, oh, it's more gentle energy field. Uh, when you drive back into the United States, a more nervous energy field. 
It depends where in the States you are, such a huge country. There are different energy fields in the States, of course, many different energy fields. But as a whole, it's more, there's a more nervous, much more nervous energy field. But of course, it's also more dynamic, so that's another aspect of it. Do you think these energy fields are a reflection of culture and human activity? Or do you believe that the land itself, almost the geology and geography, <clears throat> might have character that comes through places? That, you know, the subject of psychogeography. There's a place in London, Eckhart, uh, where they're uh, near Tottenham Court Road, uh, the area of St Giles. This place was when uh, there was the gin epidemic of the 18th century in London. This was where all the gin houses were. And then when I was a drug addict, you know, three or four hundred years later, like that was where you would like the last resort. If you can't get heroin anywhere else, that is the place you go. Every so often they try to gentrify this area. They've tried again, actually, with a sort of an international rail link. But it's like there's something in the energy there that is, in this case, to do with addiction, uh, hedonism, self-destruction somehow. Um, I wonder if there's some character there. And while I'm on this little flow, I sometimes feel that in addiction, when you watch people with very severe uh, uh, addictive tendencies or chemical dependency, it is like they're trying to destroy themselves, but are going about it in the wrong in the wrong way. It reminds me of the you know the your famous uh, phrase, "I cannot live with myself any longer." A lot of addicts will use idioms like, "I want to get off my head," "I want to get out of my uh, off my face," I, "I can't stand myself." People are trying to escape from themselves. It's like the impulse is a spiritual impulse. But there is no culture, no mechanic, no teaching, no tradition to guide them. Very true. So there is often in uh, addiction, uh, could also be alcoholism, there's a, an unconscious longing to be free of yourself, of the self. Because it's, such, it's experienced as such a burden to live with yourself. And I, I experience it too. But many people who are there, they, they go to the to the drugs because, as you just said, the the self is experienced as something very heavy. It's a burden, and then what they do is they they by the intake of these things uh, temporarily freeze them from themselves. But of course, they always have to come back. But how does it free them? It frees them from themselves by taking them below thinking. It takes you below thinking, and that's one way of becoming free of the self, because the self is mind-generated. It's a mental image. If you go below thinking, you can, it gives you temporary relief. <laughs> you can also have that sometimes people, um, just before they go to sleep, you're already halfway between the state of wakefulness and sleep, and you can suddenly feel this enormous sense of well-being as you move towards the unconsciousness of sleep, because it, you've been freed from yourself and all your problems and all the turmoil in your mind. You're so tired that you don't remember the turmoil of your mind anymore. So you're falling below. This is one way of becoming free of thinking is to fall below thinking, but that is not a way for you.
humanity is not destined to regress to a pre-egoic state, to a pre-thinking state. That's a wonderful state for animals and nature to be in. Uh, but for us humans, our destiny is to rise above thinking. Doesn't mean we don't think anymore, but we transcend thinking in the sense that we are no longer trapped in the movement of our mind. We rise above it, we experience awareness, that is alertness without thinking when we want to, and then we can think more productively and more creatively. So we are not, we transcending doesn't mean that we completely really think we need, still need our minds. We need to think, but not the destructive problem-making thinking of the egoic mind, which is lack of awareness. Our destiny is to become free of the self by rising above it, transcending, not falling below. So, but people who, it's sometimes people who are spiritual, ready for spiritual awakening and they go the wrong way. They feel the, the, they feel the heaviness of the self, but nobody has taught them that it is possible to rise above instead of having to fall below thinking, for the, the thinking mind. So our destiny is to rise above. And then we don't need all those things anymore that take us below the thinking mind. I tried a few drugs because sometimes, some years ago, people ask me questions sometimes. So I thought in order to no. answer the questions about drugs, I need to try some because what can I say if I've never taken them? So I, I tried, of course, pot when we were in Amsterdam. <laughs> and uh, I can see what it does to people. They, they smoke and you can feel that kind of wooziness coming over you. And uh, then uh, I saw it, it was good to experience it. I much preferred my normal state of consciousness. So I was very happy to come. And I was still aware even while it was happening. So, but okay, I thought, okay, I don't need this again. And now I know what it's like. I also tried acid, LSD, uh, on another occasion, many years ago. And uh, again, because I, I needed to know what people are talking about. And what I experienced was uh, an enormous amplification, for example, of sensory perception, as if everything was shouting at you. Every sense is enormously amplified. The sense of smell, of touch, visual things. I was looking at the wall and the wall was alive. It was throbbing. The wall went and up. Everything, the water had a certain smell to it. Everything was amplified. The world was shouting at me. And of course, I didn't experience it as particularly pleasant, but I know why some people feel drawn to it, because it cuts out your thinking mind, because you know, everything, the experience is so overwhelming that the whole conceptual mind stops. So it no, can give a person a glimpse of what it also means. Sometimes you feel the This is so amazing, <laughs> and it is. 
I mean, ultimately, it is amazing. So gym, uh, um, but before you didn't realize it, because gym for you experienced all the world all, only through your conceptual mind. I'm going to pass some sushi, maybe, next Shabbos. So you, you inhabit a dead concept, which con it's not only a conceptual universe, it's a, a lot of conceptual identity, which is ego. <laughs> mental, a mental, mentally fabricated so, identity. Yeah. And to be taken out of that, so... For some people who are very much trapped in their conceptual oh, I don't mind, have plans, but I'm I about to head out to the gym. It's a revelation to, to, to experience something without the interference, sushi, without, uh, without like the screen or conceptualization. Sushi you like, say, wow, sushi the world like is so this. miraculous, which it, it truly it is. But sushi, uh, this upcoming shower. Mm. For some people, it might be. An, an opening to have to have that experience. But I've if you become dependent here. on something, sushi, this upcoming shabbos. Ultimately, it will lead you astray. It will not ultimately help you to rise above thinking. It will eventually take you below thinking. So, or it can be an opening, perhaps for some people. As uh, I mean, Huxley wrote about it, uh, the doors of perception and so on. Uh, it can be an, it can be an opening. But once you know the state of presence, it's all, it's so much, so much more beautiful and alive than anything you could experience through any kind of substance. And uh, so again, I never needed to experience it again, but now at least I can answer questions when people ask me, what's it, is LSD like this or that? I, I, I say something about it. <laughs> With some natural psychedelics, which I, I have no experience actually, I, I just took LSD when I was younger, people talk less about the heightened sensory experience and more about the uh, dissolution of, of the self. And in, in cases of some psychedelics, a real engaged experience with an other entity, often personified, uh, elsewhere feeling like a spirit of nature. And as a person in recovery, I don't drink or use drugs one day at a time. When I hear these descriptions, I feel like I, the excitement and attraction that I feel, I believe is a kind of mobilization of my own intuitive knowledge that there is a God, that there are other frequencies of consciousness that are operating that it's possible for us to experience. And indeed, when you talked about like that sensitivity and intuitive awareness of the character of land and different countries and places having pain bodies and frequencies, I can see that if you're, because I, you know, all the time while you're speaking, I, I, I'm aware that I find it really hard to not think. I, my mind is very, very busy. I need to be sort of quite particular. I know from speaking to you, before that you don't meditate, you just remain continually present. It's not like you go off for 20 minutes or half an hour or anything like that. And I, I, I feel that obviously you had, um, you know, a kind of very stark epiphany that seemed like, you know, one day you were this person and the next day you were another person. And uh, the awareness behind the person, I suppose, to use your terminology and your own explanation. Um, but like for me, I do sometimes experience transcendence awareness it, during this conversation I have when I focus very much <laughs> on what you're saying, I feel free and I'm completely Talking present in the, the in, in the moment. But I have always had this tendency to return to carnality 
always had this tendency to return to wanting, always had this tendency to, to return to caring about what other people think about me and if I've got enough status. You know, I, I, I seem to have a lot of this, whatever it is that weds people to materialism and to the conceptual mind, uh, it feels strong in me. What do, what do I do about that? Um, well, you don't really need to do anything because if you uh, attempt to get rid of something that you observe, then you very often uh, give, give it more energy. If you fight something, you give it more energy. Uh, that's why, for example, the war against drugs didn't work. <laughs> the war against anything doesn't work. So. Uh, to be as much aware as you can, even <laughs> as a desire arises, for whatever it may be, to mm, be aware that there is a desire arising and just be there as the observing presence. For some people, for example, that's probably not the case with you, some people are addicted to food, food intake, as to in order to fill some gaping voids that they experience or to dull the pain that they experience and they often they find themselves already munching something and they didn't even know how it got into their mouth because the movement was unconscious if you can observe a desire if it's food or if it's drink uh, desire arising to go to the fridge and get out the chocolate cake mm, so chocolate. you feel the desire rising that's already an enormous gain in consciousness if you can feel the desire rising instead of just being the desire. Uh, so if you can if you can feel it and, and instead of condemning yourself for it, be oh, I, yeah, I would so sometimes good. recommend to have I'm a little please, gap before you do the gym. what I've the desire here. wants you to do. Have a little gap. Let's say the desire says, I've had a tough day, because sometimes desires are associated with mental explanations to justify what you're going to do. For example, it says, well, that's the only thing that still, I'm not going to renounce drink because it's the only pleasure I've left in life. I deserve it. Everything else has been taken from me. It's the only thing that I have, for example, kind of justification. Or says, okay, I've had a tough day again, I deserve a treat, I'm going to have that chocolate cake. Uh, that's fine. So if you can observe not only the desire can exist on purely energetic level as a longing, a pull, it can also at the same time exist on the level of uh, uh, verbalization in the mind. It could justify why you deserve it, why you need it, why you want it. And you can, if you can observe that, and just delay it for a couple of minutes before you actually do it. Instead of wanting to completely suppress it, <laughs> uh, give it give it a couple of minutes or so to simply observe the the, the energy behind the desire. Or what to observe what so you just say, to say um, to just in it. ten seconds. That, that that increases your consciousness. Your awareness grows through it, and even perhaps it's still so strong that you still do it. But at least there's still an awareness there. You're no longer totally in the grip. And then don't fall into the mistake of condemning yourself afterwards. Yeah. Because it's ego too. 
you, you condemn yourself as you see I'm not good enough you can't because your self-talk many people have self-talk in there they talk to themselves either they say I or they say you they have two people that argue with each other so says so why can't you see your all your spiritual practice is useless you can't do it you always always fall back to saying you're no good and then the other one says yeah but I can't help it I just I deserve a little, little bit of pleasure what's left <laughs> It's all the mind talking. Uh, <laughs> can you be aware of that? And if, if that awareness grows, and we use all these opportunities for just a bit of bringing us some awareness, then gradually the, the force of the desire will diminish if you bring more awareness in. And then there's, then there's a, a space around it. It's no longer all-consuming. Now, of course, there are some drugs that are so destructive that heroin, for example. Uh, now, heroin is one I'm not going to try, even though people might ask me about it. <laughs> but very nice. <laughs> I have known people who had uh, how destructive it can be for many, many people. Where the the question is whether that uh, <clears throat> that awareness is there in a human being uh, already whether that's not something that you can just bring about uh, it's almost like grace to have a minimum of awareness that suddenly is in you and perhaps it comes through suffering for many people eventually it bring, brings you to an awareness i've met many people in my retreats and uh, talks who have come through a, a what's it called AA Alcoholics Anonymous that has been an opening for many people into the spiritual dimension and so then retrospectively you can say you can even become thankful for your for your addiction because if if eventually it leads you to an awakening then retrospectively the addictioning actually was a good thing it's any any pain any suffering that you have been through if it leads you to this point of awakening, retrospectively, or even if it all while you were in it, it was completely meaningless, suddenly it has meaning. It's brought you here. All the suffering has brought you to this point of where you see the possibility of awakening and transcending and realizing the transcendent dimension to who you are which is also the transcendent dimension of life itself. And so it's all worth it. Thank you. Since you had that uh, awakening, you, which for me, it sounds like your experience was about pain, body, depression, suicide. Um, you do not feel it. Like, when was the last time that you had to be aware of desire or fear rising up in yourself? And if it isn't very often, do how do you consume culture how do you participate in a culture that for me seeing you know as we've discussed is a manifestation of that kind of egoic consciousness and continually tries to sort of attach uh nodes onto you to electric like sort of electrify you into fear and desire what happens when do you experience it do you ever experience it the original phenomenon but i can i enjoy things some uh, enjoy sometimes i enjoy a glass, a couple of glasses of wine with dinner. Uh, do I have a desire? I suppose it could be called a desire. 
I would be, um, if I didn't have it, it would be fine too. So it's not a, I don't, I don't really have much desire for anything. My, my favorite, sometimes people ask me, what do you do for fun? <laughs> um, I say fun. Um, actually, my most uh, enjoyable moments are the times when I'm not doing anything at all. I just enjoy the being of this moment. Uh, it could be contemplative. Sometimes I just sit here and look out of the window at the trees. I look at the sky. I breathe. I look at items of furniture. It's just so peaceful and wonderful, everything around me. And uh, so the really, and I could sit here for some half an hour or an hour, just in, it's, it is so beautiful. Uh, I suppose that's my fun. What's not what usually would be called fun, but the, to be, to, to, to be in, to, to feel the being. Now, being is another word for what we're talking about. Uh, to feel ultimately, so it's not just what you see when you're contemplative, we con contemplate things. Contemplate, by the way, is related to temple. It's sacred. It's something sacred to it. Contemplation. It's really, so if real contemplation is something sacred, because you mentioned the word sacred earlier, which is a word that you hear very rarely in the modern world. I haven't heard the word sacred on CNN recently or in the New York Times. Sacred, sacred is a rare word because most people have no idea what you're talking about. But sacred is in a very important dimension. It's an aspect of exactly what we are pointing to here. So when you, when you <coughs> contemplate the world in its beingness, the trees, but even so-called inanimate objects are actually like sometimes to just, you touch them, they're there in their simple beingness. And what, what I, what really underlies all that is feeling within the joy of just being, the joy of being alive, of being. Uh, and that is what the, in, in, in India, in the Indian Hindu tradition is called Satchitananda. Satchitananda are three words that are strung together as if we're one word. Sat means being. Chit means consciousness. And ananda means bliss. So if you string these together, being, consciousness, bliss is a single thing or no thing to realize. What, so when you are in that state of satchitananda, it's, it's a simple realization that you are the beings of you. But when I say you, it goes far beyond what you think of yourself as a person. You have transcended who you are as a person because your personal history is totally relevant. You can, you can, whether you are sit, whether you sit on your private jet or in a prison cell, you can sense Satchitananda within yourself. But it's more likely that you will sense it in the present cell than in your private jet. More likely. So, to, to, to that, that is the deepest, the deepest joy. To, I find the deepest joy than in the 
into beingness, the be beingness. So, because we could divide again what, what we uh, are talking about, the two dimensions, we could use the terms doing and being. These are the two aspects of life. The doing is to do with, to, of course, time is needed to do anything you need future to do anything you need time comes in you're active all thinking is doing when you think you're doing something you're doing thinking well you're not in many cases you are not doing the thinking but the thinking is done for you it possesses you you don't people say i think they don't think in most cases when there's no awareness thinking happens to you you're not thinking the mind is, is has a life of its own in the same way you wouldn't say I'm beating my heart the heartbeat is happening to you but this is also true in the absence of awareness you are just possessed thanks go to tarotcards.com by everybody to do. and you think you are it so that's just an aside so the doing thinking is doing also the doing dimension there's always the next thing that you need to be concerned with. Where, or what do I do now? <clears throat> what do we do next? Some people, doing is all they know. Again, same thing we talked before. Families, you go to families, children. Have you done your homework? Have you done, now do this, brush your teeth, do that. <laughs> the only way to relate to their children is to some kind of, either they say, stop doing it or do it. <laughs> so all, that's all there ever is. And there's something survivally missing. And that's the being dimension, to be able to look at your child, to be able to listen to your child, to give them your complete attention, but not conceptually, but in that spacious awareness, to look at a child, to recognize their beingness. But only that, that is only possible if you recognize your own beingness, and then you recognize the child's. Now, the children... Uh, they know when that is not there in they realize unconsciously that something is missing because all you you only operate on the level of doing and they and as they grow up and then they reach uh, 13 years old often they become more and more unhappy many children these days become more and more unhappy and and even before that age, many children uh, have uh, attention deficit syndrome, whatever it's called, restlessness. And uh, of course, yes, something has to do also with the continuous use of electronic devices, iPads and all that stuff. Yes, that has something to do with it too. But there's also the lack of the being dimension in the home environment, in the parents, because Ultimately, the child has never been recognized that's in the, for who they are in the depth of their being. All, all, all interaction has been taking place on the level of doing, which is a level of mind. Of course, well, they're all well-meaning parents because they want to do the right thing for their children. <laughs> but but no, no matter how much, how much doing you do, in wanting to do the right thing for your child, no oh. doing is ever enough. Shut up! <laughs> <If you neglect laughs> so that's essential. Again, 
the two worlds, we, we need to have one foot in the world of doing and one foot in the world of being. Most of the world that we know is lost in the doing dimension, which means the transcendent, ultimately the sacred, the transcendent dimension is missing. And that's why um, I would, a society needs to survive, needs some access to the transcendent dimension for to give people. In traditional religion, yes, traditional religion has been 90% mind stuff, 90% egoic also, identification with belief structures, ideologies, making others wrong or ego, we are right, you are wrong, or ego power, 90%. But there's always, I'm just, it's kind of arbitrary figure, 10, 10%, it's still provided, 10% is a very small opening into the transcendent. Even if just by mentioning, reading some of the parables of Jesus, or a few deep passages from, there are some incredible mm -hmm. tools in the Bible. There's a lot of mixed stuff there. In the Bible there's many, many books written by many people. So there are some great spiritual jewels here and there. And then there's a lot of cultural stuff too, uh, that's cultural, very limited understanding. But uh, anyway, religion uh, has provided traditionally a small glimpse for some, for quite a few people still, uh, just a glimpse of the transcendent. For example, looking at Jesus on the cross, uh, which at first means seems a strange thing. If you come as an extraterrestrial here, you might think, why do these people bow on their knees in front of a person who is nailed to the cross? This is so weird. But if you look more deeply, there too, it could, if it's used rightly, it's not always used rightly, has no, it could have been some open for many people, it was a small opening into transcendent dimension. How? By identifying with Christ. The suffering of Christ is also my suffering. We are, we both, we are going through this suffering and it gets, gets you to a point of surrender or acceptance of what is. Mm, the issues. And that's an opening into the transcendent dimension. Any point of acceptance, even accepting the unacceptable <coughs> in the present moment doesn't mean if action is possible you take action, but in this moment you accept, especially if death approaches or you're very sick, or you suffer greatly, enormous loss in your life, humans, millions of humans continuously have experienced and experienced these things, there are points when only surrender Will is a possibility for you to be free of suffering. And so you look at the image of Jesus, what does it point to? It points to join, you join these, the code. St. Paul talked about that too. The suffering of Christ is my suffering. So you are through identifying with the archetypal figure. One could say Christ is the archetypal human. And it shows what is possible because it's, it's, Christ is nailed to the cross. But the cross, which is a torture instrument, so he is nailed to the torture instrument. But the cross has a double meaning. 
The cross is also a symbol for the divine. So especially, so sometimes you see just the cross, just the cross. The cross is a symbol for the divine. The cross is a torture instrument also. And bring the two together, which shows that one important portal, a very important portal, and traditionally for most humans, into the transcendent dimension is suffering and the acceptance of suffering. And that is, that is, there in the, that way, traditional religion, not the ideology of it, but this direct experience has traditionally offered an, a, a portal into the transcendent and that for many people has disappeared now. So um, in many countries, traditional religion has kind of become quite meaningless. But that's, that's just so it has, has taken away from humans that, so that many humans are at an intermediate stage now, that has been taken away from them or has dissolved they can no longer believe in, which is understandable, they cannot believe in mythology anymore, that's all, all that. Uh, but they haven't yet found access to the transcendent dimension through another way, which of course is spiritual teaching comes in, but many humans have not yet had contact with any spiritual teaching. So we can now go beyond uh, needing to if religion does not work anymore for a human being, we start with Nietzsche, Nietzsche said, God is dead. <laughs> of course, he, he meant that the God that we, that we created in our minds, that's, uh, so the, the, the access to the transcendent, uh, it's very important to, um, to have that in your life, if you don't have that transcendent dimension, then life is just a veil of tears uh, and frustrating. And that is suffering. Buddha said, Dukkha, suffering. All life is suffering. Dukkha, wherever you go, whatever you do, you will find Dukkha, which is translated as suffering. Other translations are unsatisfactoriness, insufficiency, misery, or just plain unhappiness. That's dukkha. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will find dukkha. That sounds very negative. But the other part of his teaching is, in his own words, he said, I show you suffering and the end of suffering. Meaning, I show you how you create suffering by your unconsciousness with the, with the self, which is a fiction. And I show you the Buddhist teaching is also to, to realize the kingdom of heaven, which Buddha calls emptiness or spaciousness, which is a dimension of consciousness in you. If you don't find it, then life is suffering. The end of suffering is finding the transcendent dimension. Then life is still challenging, but the challenges of life are no longer converted into suffering. That's the miracle. Yes. 
I can see that how like, fun and pleasure are an unconscious attempt to kind of defibrillate the bliss that you described, uh, Satchit Ananda, so uh, an external way of trying to vivify this dormant bliss that is lacquered into stasis by the uh, dominant egoic consciousness. I like what you said about the image system around the crucifixion that the God made, God made flesh must suffer, must die in order to be reborn as God consciousness, as aware consciousness after some time in the cave as well, after some time in the darkness of the cave. I'm thinking too about what you have said, Eckhart, in the um, recent both mathematical, well, primarily mathematical, analysis of the universe reveals that it's likely because i believe that it's true but from even from a mathematical perspective possible that consciousness is a, a intrinsic part of the universe not evolved from matter which is no no different from the paradigm of there is a creator there is awareness there is god in a an even shorter word and I, I like what you said, too, about it being a kind of intermediary way, uh, intermediary moment, a shrugging off of the old orthodoxies and uh, institutions, but not yet a recognition of the all-encompassing sacredness trying to really realise itself in the present. Of course, the thing that you're um, perhaps best known for is this uh, be here now, presence in now, the power of now and it seems to me that 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 is a uh, your teaching often returns to come back to now you said once to me you know that when you for the minute you finish teaching that's it now you're not that identity anymore now you are the you rem so that you are using sent the senses and awareness as kind of instruments of the sacred to continually bring you back to the presence, whether it's feeling the energy of your own body or using your senses to observe what's happening. <sighs> yeah, I've, I've understood some things. Yes, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. So carry on with the wonderful work you are doing. Bring Thank you, Eckhart. Thank yes. you, Russell. It's been great. Take care, guys. Have a great evening. Health, wealth, love, and peace of mind to you. I get purpose, like I recognize something and it feels very clear to me. And then my ego comes in and claims it and makes it its own. And then everything falls apart and explodes for me. This time I'm very determined to, well, not I, am very determined. I try to stay. Thank you. Yeah.